Welcome to So-and-So, brought to you by Bernina, made to create. I'm Meg Goodman, and you're about to enjoy a casual conversation with a special member of the Soist and Quilting community. A conversation about how they got started, what inspires them, what excites them, and their connection to this community. Our guest today is Sarah Veblen, who owns and runs Sarah Veblen Clothing Originals just outside Baltimore, Maryland. Born in Virginia and living in her youth in Texas and eventually California, Sarah began sewing as a teenager with the dream of having a sewing business. Well, that dream came true when she started her business in 1985. Sarah has a certificate in fashion design from Baltimore City Community College and a bachelor's degree from Stanford University. She's an active member of the Association of Sewing and Design Professionals, the American Sewing Guild, and the Haute Couture Club of Chicago. She's a sewist, teacher, and author, having written dozens of articles for Threads Magazine, as well as other publications. She wrote the book, The Complete Photo Guide to Perfect Fitting, has created patterns for several small-label women's clothing companies, and teaches through PatternReview.com and her own website, SarahBevlin.com. When not sewing, writing, or teaching, Sarah enjoys gardening. She grows both flowers and vegetables, and she loves to walk. She just loves to be out in nature. She currently lives in Phoenix, Maryland, which is just outside Baltimore, with her daughter, her daughter's husband, and two children, and she has all of her daughters in very close proximity. So that itself is something that she enjoys to do, spending time with her family as well. Sarah, hello and welcome to So-and-So. Thank you. It's nice to be here, Meg. You uh, you do a lot, <laughs> you, <laughs> especially with I'm thinking of all, all those kids running around and um, it keeps you busy and, you know, and then walking and enjoying things. And then you sew and you teach and you write. And there's so much that we're going to cover today. Um, I want to go back to the beginning. And, and I love this story. Um, your mother sewed. And when you were in elementary school, you played with the scraps that she had and made doll clothes. Then in ninth grade, you started sewing some clothes for yourself. And you, were, you experimented, which kind of um, found its way as, as a thread, if it were, through your whole sewing career. But in high school, then you started to sew using patterns. So you asked your mom to teach you to sew. And she said you were already sewing circles around her. How did you teach yourself to sew? Well, my mom showed me how to use the machine, and that was about the extent of it. And I would sew simple seams. And then a lot of how I learned to sew was through patterns uh, in the 1960, late 1960s, well, actually mid-1960s. Um, a lot of the patterns, especially Vogue patterns, had really excellent directions. Mm-hmm. And I learned to sew from that. I had a couple of, I bought a couple of sewing books as well. Uh, and I really just thought about things a lot. I thought, well, they're telling me to do this and how do I do it? What makes sense? And I, I think from a very early time in my sewing journey that I was what I encourage all of my students to be, which is a thinking sewer. 
Don't just mm-hmm. blind, don't just blindly follow those directions, but think about what it is that you're doing. And it wasn't too long before I thought, well, the instructions are telling me to do it this way, but I think it'd be better to do it this way. And I would try it. Sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. <laughs> um, but that's a really good way to learn. So hence that experimentation um, that you started out when you were sewing. And I, you said something I want to just go back to for a minute. You said, sewists should not blindly follow instructions, but to see if it makes sense and then maybe try something else that, that might make more sense. Is, is that a difficult thing for um, sewists to, to learn to do? I think for some it is, and for others it's not. I know in the beginning of my sewing, I felt like, even though I experimented with directions, I felt like there was something that the pattern, well, how can I say this? I felt like the pattern ruled. I wasn't allowed to vary from the pattern itself. But Mm -hmm. interestingly, I did allow myself to experiment with how I was doing the construction. But that paper pattern, I felt like, well, I have to cut it out exactly the way it is. Now, of course, I uh, my viewpoint of patterns is that they're a wonderful starting place, but that's it. They are just a starting place. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of sewists regard not just the pattern is the thing that has to be honored no matter what, but they think that instructions do as well. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I often tell people when I'm posing this concept of mine, that a pattern's a starting place, the instructions are a, a way, one way to maybe go about doing the, putting the garment together, is that the person who drafted the pattern and then the person who wrote the instructions, and very often that's a different person in the fashion industry, Mm -hmm. and um, they don't know anything about you, what your lifestyle is like, what your clothing preferences are like. They don't know what fabric you have chosen. They don't know what kind of machine you have. They don't know anything about your sewing skills. They have just written a set of directions that will work. At least most of the time, I have found mm-hmm. I have found um, mistakes in instructions, and so what I try to get my students to think about is that we're always trying to individualize that pattern and the way we go about putting it together. If I make a silk blouse, I might use a slightly different construction techniques than if I make a cotton blouse or if I make mm-hmm. a knit blouse. There were a couple of um, events in your life that really helped shape um, your sewing. The first I want to talk about is your time in Boston uh, when you were an executive secretary. And um, tell us how that line of work enriched your sewing abilities. Well, it um, afforded me a good living. I was just out of college and I was able to support myself quite nicely on my. Um, on what I was making. Um, Partly that goes back to having a good Stanford education and being able to write and think things through. Mm -hmm. Um, But in my spare time, everything that I wanted to do was to sew. 
I just lived in an apartment, so I didn't yet have a garden. And I, my focus was sewing. I sewed just about every single day. I loved the process of making garments. I loved fabric. I loved being able to walk into work the next day and have something brand new that nobody had ever seen before. But it is that um, being able to take a two-dimensional piece of fabric and end up with a garment, it fascinated me. And uh, sewing was really my passion. As I said, I sewed almost every single day. And then you started sewing your daughter's clothing. (laughs) And that had a profound effect on your career trajectory. Um, Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, jump forward a number of years, and I got married and had children. And a number of my friends, who many of them also had children, would look at what I had my daughter, my first daughter, dressed in. They go, oh, my gosh, you can't find stuff like this. What you're doing, what you're making for her is really quite, quite nice or interesting or fun or whatever. And... The, a number of my friends and acquaintances said, you should try to sell your sell children's clothes. And so I, my first venture into using my sewing as a, a business was to make children's clothing and sell them through uh, several different small handcraft galleries. Um, there were two here in the Baltimore area, and then eventually there was one, a boutique in New York City that Mm -hmm. took my things. Um, And I had a lot of fun with that. And it was um, fun to come up with new ideas. I was doing all my own construction. And then at some point I thought, oh, if I have to make one more of those dresses (laughs) or one more of those jackets, I'm going to pull my hair out. Time to rethink. Yeah, time, time for a, a, a diversion or a, a, another invention of my, I feel like I've reinvented myself a couple of, a few different times. What inspires you today? In my sewing, um, fabric is probably one of the biggest um, parts of inspiration for me. Uh, the, I see a really interesting fabric to my eye and I start dreaming about all the different things I can make. Mm-hmm. I work I work that way most of the time. Occasionally I'll think I want to make this garment and then I will set out to look in my own collection of fabrics or go to a store and and buy a fabric for that. But most of the time uh fabric is my inspiration as well as in combination with that um I love Pinterest. Um, I I laugh to myself when I say that because when my kids first introduced me to Pinterest, we're like, why would anybody use this? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then I realized what a wonderful resource it is. Many of my Pinterest boards are public. So it's just my, you can find me. It's just my name, Sarah Veblen, if you're wondering what interests me, what appeals to my eye. But it's interesting because there's not always a direct correlation between what's on my Pinterest boards and what it is I'm sewing mm-hmm. in terms of, okay, here is a project I'm working on right now. And this was the inspiration picture. But a lot of times it's a, an amalgamation of things that I've seen on Pinterest or seen in museums and especially going to fashion exhibits. Sometimes it's going to clothing stores and looking at clothes. So 
it, it, it's it's um, a grouping of ideas that have come together for me mm-hmm. that then I'll decide what uh, to make a, a certain fabric into. Since fabric's um, so inspiring for you, have you ever thought of designing your own fabric? No. No. So, so <laughs> there is no question about your answer. That's, a, that's an entirely different specialty. Sure. And, um, I, I will say when I very first started to, um, actually when I had started doing a few, selling a few children's clothing, I was still doing some weaving and I, it was weaving and I was spinning and I was doing some natural dyeing and I was really interested in it. But I thought, I finally said to myself, if you want to become really good at something, then I think you're going to have to choose. And it wasn't mm-hmm. that I had to, because I could have been remained a dabbler and had my hands in a lot of different pies. I knitted, I crocheted, I cross stitch, any, any kind of hand work I loved. But I decided that I needed to get rid of my loom and just focus on sewing. Mm-hmm. I feel the same, very similarly about designing fabric. That's its own specialty. Uh, I could learn it. I'm sure it would be fascinating. But given how short our lives are, when you look back at it all together, um, sewing was what I really wanted to do to concentrate on and focus on. And I've never regretted that decision. Never look back. No. Sarah, you um, have a degree from Stanford, uh, which is uh, definitely a notable institution. Um, but what did you learn during that time at Stanford that you're able to apply to your career today? In, as a freshman in, at Stanford when I went to school in the late 60s and early 70s, freshman English was extremely rigorous. And you wrote and you wrote and you wrote and you wrote. You wrote all of the time. Mm-hmm. And anything you wrote got uh, critiqued by a TA or the professor or, or your peers. And it was very rigorous. As a freshman, really didn't like it so much. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, but it made me comfortable with language. And when I later was in the Boston area and working as a executive secretary, uh, I realized how valuable that was, um, all of the training, because I could write and I could edit pretty decently. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, through my uh, later, as, as I got my sewing business uh, off the ground doing custom clothing, and then I remember um, David Coffin from Threads Magazine calling me saying, I'm in the area and somebody else who writes for us has recommended I come by your shop and see what you're doing. And he looked at what I did and he said, we'd like you to write some threads articles. And he had a number of ideas for me and I was astounded. I'd never submitted a proposal to threads. And, um, I, he assured me that the threads would, um, put it into what I refer to as thread speak. They would put it into their formatting. Mm -hmm. But, um, as I continued to write for threads, um, 
I think I was an author that many of the Threads editors enjoyed working with, at least from what David Coffin said to me, because I knew how to write. Mm-hmm. And I tended to write more than they needed, but that made their job easy to condense it and put it into their formatting. And that writing has stood by me in oh, probably a dozen different ways in addition to Threads magazine. You were sewing, you were writing, and you decided to become a teacher. So share, share this journey with us. <laughs> Um, As if you didn't have anything else to do. (laughs) Well, I laugh only because it wasn't that uh, one day I woke up and thought, oh, I want to teach sewing too. What happened was I had built, uh, after I went to fashion school here at a community college in Baltimore, I was doing custom clothing. That's really what I wanted to do. And I did not have a line of clothing. It was all custom work. I was developing fitting people and developing patterns for them and sewing individual garments for individual people. And I really loved the fitting part of it. And I loved helping that person figure out how to express themselves with their clothing. And I had a a lively business. I worked full-time, probably uh, twice full-time. and at one point, I had I almost always had a stitcher who did basic construction for me. I did all of the fitting and pattern work and interface with the clients. And um, I, at one point, I had, I think, three different stitchers. I was just churning custom clothing out. And custom clothing is very stressful because mm-hmm. basically you're selling something that doesn't exist. And then you have to live up to that. So you're selling a concept and then you have to make it happen. And I was lucky that my communication skills with my clients and my fitting and sewing skills and my, I often would help them pick out fabric and make wardrobes. Um, all of that worked, but it was, it was very stressful and it was hard to make a full time living off of it. Although I was supporting myself and my girls at that point. And a, a few people who had heard of me through uh, some sewing, local sewing stores called me and said, um, we, are, we love to sew, but we're having trouble getting our garments to fit the way we want. Could we come and um, work with you and learn? Could you help us get a better fit? And so my head was totally into custom clothing and I thought, okay, yeah, I might, I might as well help somebody. I don't then have to make the garment at least, you know, <laughs> I just have to do the fitting and help them with their pattern work, which seemed uh, be like a fun thing. And I found that I really enjoyed it. And so I let um, my local fabric store, which is called a fabric place. It's a fabulous independent fabric store. I let them know that I was happy to help people interested in garment sewing to teach them um, whether it was machine skills or fitting or pattern work or or whatever. Um, And I had a lot of experience doing that whole gamut of things because of creating custom clothing for so long. Mm -hmm. And I found out um, just doing it that I really loved teaching. I loved being able to help the people who were interested in sewing 
their garments for themselves, to have more success with their garments, to be happier with their garments. A lot of it came down to fit, and that it was the expertise I developed and really worked at in my custom clothing business. And I was really happy to pass that along and help other sewists who were interested in making garments for themselves uh, get a lot more pleasure from their sewing experience. Do you have um, a story that you can share with us of somebody that you worked with and how your your guidance helped them to create something special? Well, I think, uh, yes, there are certainly something special. Um, and do you mean in terms of my custom clothing and alteration business or in terms of teaching sewists? Um, to help them with their garments, because I have stories on both ends of that. <laughs> I Pick your favorite one. Choose, choose your favorite. Okay, I'll choose an alteration. And um, this can, uh, if you extrapolate, it goes into the people who sew. Uh, this, they may have experienced these types of things. Um, I had a gal come to me with a wedding dress that needed to be fit and altered. For her, it was a ready-to-wear dress, and I did a lot of alteration and bridal alteration at the time. And um, brides are interesting to work with. They, there is sort of a whole thing that comes along with it because a lot of brides are consumed with everything that they have to do in front of them. And um, and this bride was, oh, uh, I was going to say laid back, but she was almost um unenthusiastic and i found that really odd and so as i was looking at the dress on her um one of the things that i had learned to always ask my clients whether it was a custom client or an alteration job was how do you feel in this garment and she this one particular gal said i don't feel like myself I feel like I'm somebody else. I feel like mm. I'm an imposter. Mm. And I said, well, talk to me. What do you, how do you want to feel on your wedding day? I said, don't, I, I'm not asking you what you want to look like. I'm asking you, if you close your eyes and think about when you are in, walking into that ceremony and then for your reception afterwards, how do you want to feel? And she started to describe that she wanted to feel elegant, but relaxed, not too formal. and as we talked for about five minutes about this, it gave me so many clues as to what I could do with her dress to make her feel that way. So it, it pulled it away from what you want to look like, but your clothes can make you feel better and more relaxed. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a big care, having had that experience and many times over in my custom work and alteration work. It's something I brought into all of my teaching or a great deal of my teaching with my students now, which is you want, you want your clothes to express something about yourself. And so I always talk with them, my students, about your designing from the inside out. You aren't taking an image of a garment and putting it on top of yourself. You might do a little bit of that, but really what I want to get at is to be designing from the inside out. 
You mentioned earlier that you love the complexity of garment making. So would you walk us through this complexity and and share why it resonates with you? (laughs) I think I like a challenge for one thing. Sure. Um, And uh, as we've talked about already, I'm an experimenter. I'm happy to make samples and figure things out um, about what technique is going to work the best. You know, for instance, you know, there are probably about five or six different ways to do a welt pocket. So in a particular fabric, that's going to work the best. So experimentation, I think, is is important. Um, but the complexity that I am intrigued with is that for us garment sewers, we have to know um, how to read a pattern or develop a pattern, draft a pattern, drape a pattern. So we have to understand pattern making to some greater or lesser degree. We have to understand fit to some greater or lesser degree. I think a lot of serious garment sewers get very into fit. That's a a real crux of what makes a garment work or not. We have to understand fabrics. It's a huge area. Uh, there are so many fabrics available to us. We have to understand drape and fiber content, um, uh, dozens of things about fabric. And we have to understand to some greater or lesser degree something about design, i.e. what do we want our garments to look like? What are we evoking with them? What kind of buttons are we using? So from, you know, small things like button choice to larger things like uh, seaming and the overall design. And then we get to, we have sewing machine skills, but that's almost the least amount, mm-hmm. uh, the, the least important. I mean, I, it's the crux of everything, but all of these other aspects of garment making are super important. So we're not just somebody who can crack an egg and fry an egg. We're somebody who can do a huge number, sewer, garment sewers, do a huge number of things in their um, making of any single garment. You, you mentioned fitting, and, and this may just be a, um, an obvious question, but why is fitting so important and how does it correctly change the final product? In a, uh, several different ways, I think. Uh, when I was doing custom work, one thing that I found happened, and this was prior to my teaching, and I carry it over into my teaching, is that a number of people would say to me as I fit them and went through however many muslins it took, it helped them start to see the garment come to life. But very often they would say, oh my gosh, I look so much better now as I, in the process of my getting the garment to fit. Mm-hmm. I often would get feedback from people saying, I won't, you know, let, they let me know that they had worn the garment that I had made for them and that their uh, friends or family members or whoever said, oh my gosh, you look like you've lost some weight. And they wouldn't have, but it's just that they, their garment fit them more appropriately. And, um, I think also having a good fit makes us more comfortable in our garments. Mm-hmm. An example that I use a lot is we have all had a day, and I've had lots of them, 
where I put something on and for whatever reason that day, I don't feel good in it and it doesn't feel right. And sometimes it's the, it's a store-bought garment and it doesn't fit me, but sometimes it's even a garment that I've made. And for that day, it just isn't the right thing. But we've all had these days where we think we've worn something, we've gone out to, you know, a meeting or whatever it is. And we think, oh, I cannot wait to get home and take that garment off. Mm-hmm. It's happened to you, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm smiling because I have, I have been there. And what I found is, is you uh, obtain a better and better fit, taking into account comfort and your lifestyle and uh, different elements that I think are important to consider is that we have fewer and fewer of those days because our garments fit us. And I have a very strong belief that when we feel good in our clothes, when the fit is right, the fabric is right, the garment really works for us, I feel like we are more relaxed in ourselves, in who and what we are. And that in turn allows us to be, for one thing, more creative, that we can think better, we can interact better with those around us. Everything just seems to be in better sync at that point and Mm -hmm. not so jumpy. That makes sense. Sarah, you believe very deeply that pursuing a creative endeavor enriches people's lives in many ways. How so? Well, part of it is um, what I was just referring to um, and an extension of what I was just talking about is I believe everybody has creativity in them. I think that very often it gets um, uh, subdued or perhaps even beaten out of us uh, at some stage in our lives. But I think being creative um, is something that comes um, from the inside of us from our emotions as well as our inner intellect and I think it makes us a fuller rounder person I think it enriches our lives in countless ways I think creativity for many of us if not all of us is a very calming aspect to our lives that we can um uh, find solace in being creative. And for most creative people, at some point or another, we have reached flow or we're in the zone and you look up and you go, oh my gosh, an hour just passed. You know, I was completely immersed in that. Mm-hmm. And for, um, and that is what flow or being in the zone is all about. And that you're just, you know, you're just, your mind is just totally into it and you are um, kind of in a, a altered place, um, space in your head. And it is, to me, finding that, being able to access that um, is a wonderful way to enrich ourselves, but also to reset ourselves if I'm having a jumpy day and I think, okay, if I can just go sew for a little bit, I can calm myself and then I can get going again in a positive manner Mm -hmm. and leave the jumpiness aside. 
It's calming just to hear you talk about that. So it, uh, <laughs> there, there is no doubt that, that you, you feel this when, uh, when you sew. So for sewists um, throughout their sewing journey, what's, what's important for them to keep in mind? To have fun with it, to enjoy it, and that if they are not enjoying it, to stop and think about why that's happening mm-hmm. and what to take some steps to <clears throat> change it around so that they will enjoy it. And that could be that they need to um, be stricter with themselves to make sure that they have the time to sew. I'm the pot calling the kettle black here. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I certainly <laughs> could do a, a good deal of that. Um, but also it's that um, sometimes we hit a spell where we think, I want to make this or I've been trying to make this and I can't do it. I don't know how. So maybe we need to reach out to a sewing professional or do some research online and see w- what we can find that helps us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think sewists can, over a long period of time or over a short period of time, they can um, rejuvenate themselves. They can keep um, uh, themselves fresh by then finding new things to challenge themselves as well. But sometimes too many new things is just overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And I think it's super important to really enjoy the process. So some people sew to get the end result. They want a garment that they can wear. And I'm not really familiar with quilting. I certainly appreciate what quilters can do. It's not my thing. So Mm -hmm. anytime I'm talking about sewing now, it has to do with uh, garment sewing um and some there are some garment sewers who are very product oriented and i think if you can turn that so that you are more process focused your enjoyment very often will go up now don't get me wrong i love having a finished product so i'm not saying that that's unimportant but i think Uh, immersing into the process and letting yourself understand that there is a process and that you have some control over developing your process so it's more satisfying is a really important key to being a happy sewer. Mm -hmm. Sarah, tell us about your grandchildren. (laughs) Oh, oh, the joy of my life. Um, So many People, uh, when I would meet grandparents before I was lucky enough to have grandchildren, they would say, grandchildren are just the best. Well, they Mm -hmm. are. (laughs) They're Mm -hmm. wonderful. Mm -hmm. So I have uh, five grandchildren um, from two of my daughters uh, who uh, have children. The third daughter does not have children, but is a happy aunt. Um, And I have an 11-year-old girl, an eight-year-old girl, a six-year-old boy, a four-year-old boy, and a two-year-old girl. And those Mm -hmm. youngest two are the two that I live with. And we laugh a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's their job to make grandparents laugh. I think so. And um, these, these little ones, all of them do a good job at it. Uh, any of them shown any interest in sewing? Yeah. Um, my oldest granddaughter a few years ago made her and her sister a dress. Um, they are uh, 
all those older grandchildren are deep into sports right now. And I don't know if I can rekindle that. My grandson, who I live with, who is four, loves being in my sewing area and he loves picking the pins up and putting them from a magnetic cushion into a, a wrist pin cushion. But uh, I recently was making some pants for my elderly mother and <clears throat> he wanted to help me help in quotes and he wanted to sit on my lap and I thought okay what can I do here mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I handed him a pair of little thread snips and I sh- did a little uh, seam on a scrap of fabric and said okay cut these thread in thread, thread tails and I showed him how to cut right down against the fabric without getting the fabric and without get, leaving a, a tail. And mm-hmm. we sewed two pairs of pants that afternoon. And he cut every single thread for me. And he loved it when I went to the serger and he could cut those serger threads off. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was slower. It slowed me down a little bit, but it was so much fun. And uh, fast forward about three or four weeks, and on one weekend day, he looked at me, um, all my grandchildren call me Sassy, and he said, Sassy, can we make more pants today? (laughs) 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 Which, of course, just thrilled me. We weren't able to that day, but um, he's he's very interested in the machinery and in the scissors, and um, I, I hope in another year or so I can get him set up at a small table and get him working with the machine. You know, I can hear you smiling when you talk yeah, about them. It's pretty absolutely. special. It is. They're they something else. Um, Sarah, what's what's next for you and, and what's your dream? Well, I am in my early 70s now and I keep making noises about retiring. But I've finally decided I don't really want to retire. I love what I do. I love my working with my students and being in the sewing world too much. But I am slowly cutting back. And part of what I have been um, starting to focus on in cutting back so I have more time to do what um, I want to do is to develop um, uh, sort of a legacy, uh, a lot of um, information that is going to be available so that when I do finally retire, the methodologies that I have developed in fitting and approaching design and um, uh, everything that I teach is uh, that information is available in one way or another. I um, am, have been making free YouTube videos and so people can find me on my Sarah Bevelin Clothing Originals channel um, and I try to get a new one out once or one or two a month now um, and then I also am developing some courses of study that will be available in probably about nine months or so um, on my website um, through my website so I feel like I have a, a, a good contribution to make to the sewing world, especially the fitting world and the design world. And I 
uh, I don't want to just close up shop and poof, have that gone. I want to share whatever it is that I have figured out and have been able to teach so far. I want to make Mm -hmm. that available on a continuing basis. That's a strong dream of mine. It is. You you will be busy for a while. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, in In our conversation today, was there any question that I didn't ask you that you wish I had? Ooh, what an interesting question. <laughs> um, uh, no, I could talk about sewing for you know, hours and hours and hours. I think it's a fascinating um, uh, pursuit. As I, you and I did touch on, I think the complexity is, is really interesting. And I think that um, I would encourage any and all people who sew to at least try out garment sewing. And if they find it at all rewarding to pursue it, that it's uh, something that has enriched my life immeasurably. And uh, that goes back to the importance of creativity in my, my life. Those are the, the biggest messages that I have. Um, I feel like um, I always feel like I would like to thank the students who have followed me for so many years or have recently found me because it's them who have, have made all of this possible for me. Sarah, I have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you today, and, and I know we all have. And I want to thank you for sharing your story with us. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Meg. You're wonderful to talk with. Well, thank you. Now, the the people who um, have heard this conversation today, I'm sure would love to reach out to you. What's the best way for them to do that? They can get me through my email is the best way to get me, sarah at sarahveblin.com. You can go to my website, uh, which is uh, www.sarahveblin.com. And I try to answer all emails. Um, sometimes I'm a little slow doing it, but um, occasionally I have somebody uh, email me a question. And then when I answer, they go, oh, I didn't know that you would actually respond. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I do try to respond to my emails. Um, and if people are interested in ways to study with me, uh, there is information on my website. I have several different levels of, of ways to study with me. I offer live video classes uh, a couple of times a month usually, but also it's uh, working with people individually that I really um, have found to be exceptionally rewarding. And um, one thing that came out of the uh, COVID pandemic was many of us learn to work on Zoom and um, mm-hmm. that lets me work with people across the country. And um, it, a lot can be accomplished with sewing, even though it's a hands-on um, hobby or creative pursuit. It, a lot can be discussed and accomplished through Zoom calls. Thank you again, Sarah, for joining us. It's, it's been a pleasure. It's been wonderful. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. And I hope that uh, some people listening to this have uh, enjoyed it as much as I think you and I've enjoyed recording it. I have no doubt. Well, there you have it. Another story about someone just like you, someone for whom sewing or quilting is so much more than a hobby, 
It's a way of life and a connection to something bigger. If you know someone you think has an outstanding story, a story that should be shared on this podcast, please drop me a note to meg at soandsopodcast.com or complete the form on our website. Be sure to subscribe to, review, and rate this podcast on your favorite platform and visit our website soandsopodcast.com for more information about today's and all of our guests. That's S-E-W-A-N-D-S-O-Podcast.com. And finally, I want to thank Bernina for making this program possible. I'm Meg Goodman, and I look forward to you joining us next time on So-and-So. So-and-so.